things that uh, I thought I'd share with you this morning are five of my top dad jokes, just because we use that in the, uh, so I'm going to share those with you just to kind of keep us going. What happened when the two antennas got married? The ceremony was kind of boring, but the reception was great. Again, I should have had Carter, boom, shh. What do you call a belt with a watch on it? A waste of time. I think they get better, but let's, let's see what happens here. Jumper Cable walks into a bar. The bartender says, I'll serve you, but don't start anything. <laughs> Howard, are we okay? Yeah, okay, just check it. Number four, I needed a password eight characters long, so I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's my kind of joke right there, okay? That one I can relate to. Number five, have you ever heard of the music group called Cellophane? They mostly rap. That's the best I got, so I'll, uh, I'll save you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Okay, good. All right, let's pray and we're out of here. No, uh, just kidding. We're working through the book of Acts, Brian told you. Uh, by the way, enjoyed that worship today. That was great. Um, Acts fascinates me because it shows so many facets of the early church. It shows so many facets of what you and I have the, the privilege of doing in our lives, but it also shows us kind of, it gives us a good snapshot of some common, ordinary people who met Jesus. To me, our world is going to change when they see you and I as common, ordinary people who met Jesus. And as they see us go about our daily routines, and Jesus is a part of that, as they see us go about the things that we, we have decided are important in our lives that reflect Jesus, people are going to see that. And as they see that, they're going to be drawn to him. That was where we find the apostles in the third chapter of Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 3, and we're going to read through about the first 12 verses, and we're going to throw a few, few other verses in there. But we find Peter and John, and again, one of my favorite stories, you've heard me sing the little Sunday school song, Silver and Gold, have I none? But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That dates me big time, because eight-tenths of you right now are going, never heard that song. It was big back in my day, big, really big. Okay, here we go. Peter and John are walking into the temple, and they're kind of going about their normal routine. Let me just review with you. Peter, Mr. Impulsive, who uh, we remember he's the guy that jumped out of the boat and walked on water, who sliced off the ear of the soldier when they were taking Jesus away, um, who denied Christ three times at the crucifixion. And John, who's described as the beloved disciple, who some thought was the closest disciple to Jesus. These are the two guys that are part of what we see now in the life of the church taking the message of Christ to a world that no longer has Christ present because he'd already ascended into heaven. Their job was to show the rest of the world what it meant to know Jesus. Big responsibility. Guess what? It's the same thing you and I have today. We have the chance every day of our lives to show those around us that we love, the people that we work with, the people that we live with, the people that we cut off in traffic, the people that we struggle with, that we love Jesus. None of you ever cut anybody off in traffic. I, I get that. Here's the apostles who are saying, okay, we saw it done. We saw these miracles performed. We saw all these great words, or we heard these great words being spoken. He's no longer here, but he's asked us to be part of that. In fact, Peter, he said to Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter, who to me had so many shortcomings, and yet God said, you know what? You're the guy. You're the one that's going to change the world. We, we check up in with them at the beginning of the third chapter, what I call daily life. They're going about a routine that happened every day, three times of prayer. 
9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. Standard times of prayer. The, the, they saw it was important. They would go to the temple. Wherever they were, they would pray and spend some time praying to God. It, it was just a good thing to do. Kind of showed who Christ was. They're on their way to prayer, and, and uh, you see in the first two verses, and you'll see it on the screen behind you, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried in the temple, into the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going in the temple courts. That was the daily routine. We've got to talk about that. Normal daily things. That's what I liked about Jesus' master plan of changing the world was through normal, ordinary people and normal, everyday activities. Imagine if, if I were to say to you today, if you want to know Jesus in a personal way, here is the, the standard by which you must live. <clears throat> Excuse me, and as you live that way, you realize it's so far over my head, there's no way I can become a Christian. That's not what Jesus did. He related right where we were. Acts 1 tells us he gave us the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he said, every day we're going to be able to live life in a way that reflects and glorifies the Lord. And it's not going to be a struggle. It's going to be a privilege. And that's where we're living. So here's where it gets interesting. They go into the temple, and as they walk into the, they're at this gate, um, again, honoring the times of prayer, they were going on with the normal things. They meet a man who's crippled from birth. A lot of you know the story, you remember it through your Sunday school days, and Here's what's kind of cool. They're going on their way to prayer, and as you do some of the research of the time, it was very important for Christians to give alms to those in need, to give to the church, to do all those things. In fact, they looked at it as more important to see people in need and reach out to them than even going to prayer. That, that one fascinated me, so I did a little research on that one. So you and I are sitting here going, you know, it's important for us to talk to God. He's saying back to us, it's important for us to meet the needs of the people around us who are struggling. In fact, they called it righteousness in that day. And in order to, to be a part of that righteousness, they gave alms to those who were in need. But here's, here's Peter and John. They are uh, walking in. They're in a hurry. They're going to prayer. And, and they're not really sure how to respond. L let me just give you an illustration. And, and what do you do? I'm not standing in front of you today to tell you either way how to respond to them. I'm saying that as the Holy Spirit guides you and me, we're to respond and give as we need. Might not be every time. You might feel like there's something going on. But you and I have got to be about seeing people in need and recognizing what's going on. But I know that like when I think about it, um, and I, again, the Holy Spirit's really good about that, but they, uh, they, he, he'll tell us. I, I, here, just kind of an insight for me. When I go through a car wash, and most of the time I go through Fisher's Car Wash on, at the Willamette uh, Chevron Station. Okay, Touchless Car Wash does a great job. I'm giving you free advice here, free advertising, guys. Except last time my car was horrible. I'm just going to talk to you about it later. I always worry about not having change in my pocket because I want to tip the people that are, that are drying my car. It bugs me. So my wife will go, what's wrong? I'll go, I don't, have any, I don't have any small bills. I'm not going to give them a $20 bill. They're good, but they're not. You know what I mean? So you, you begin having that conversation, but I feel really good about, you know, either having a five or a couple, two or three ones so that when we're done, I can bless them for the service they did. I feel like that. And sometimes when I see people on the side of the, the road, I don't have anything to give them. I mean, I've given them food before. I've had something left over. You know, I just feel bad. Are they saying this is just leftovers? But, but you're starting to get this feel. Maybe Peter and John were walking in that day, and they were talking to each other saying, hey, got nothing to give to this guy. Forgot, forgot my change. Forgot. Um, so, so you begin to realize that, that in an ordinary part of life, they had a decision to make. I called that perspective. Verses 3 through 6 says this. Says when says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. 
So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. We're going to stop right here. And, and the first thing is, guys, this is Father's Day. A lot of times, and I'll speak about myself, I'm clueless to what's going on around me. I got a schedule to meet. I got things to get done. I got, I'm important. I, I'm taking care of my family, and I might just walk right by this person that was crippled from birth at the gate because I got more important things to do. We don't get it. And so I, I see here this morning, one of the first things that I see is this, uh, this opportunity to listen. And again, fathers, I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to all of us. We got to be in a position in life to where we recognize and we listen to what's going on. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with dads as a youth pastor when they were trying to reach out, especially to their teenage daughters. And they would ask me, John, I cannot, I can't find any meaningful time with my teenage daughter. Nothing seems to work. And I would tell them time and time again, put yourself in a position so that there's going to come that moment when your daughter's going to come to you with a great need. And because you're listening and alert, you're going to have this amazing conversation with her. And I can't tell you how many times guys came back to me and said, oh my goodness, it happened just that way. We got to learn to listen. We got to put ourselves in a position to listen because we can't, and I'm talking to guys here for a minute, we can't be so busy and so wrapped around what we think are our priorities that we walk right by the opportunities that God sets right in front of us to reach out and make a difference. And this is Peter and John. They're walking into, the, they're going through the temple called Beautiful at the gate, and they walk in the door. And so here, here's the cool thing Jesus isn't there, He's gone, He's ascended into heaven. So it's not like they can go, you know, and, and I mean, I can tell you story after story about times I've been there with people, and they'll say, hey, the pastor's here. He'll, he'll take care of it. And I love to say to those people, you got it. You got this. I'm not going to take care of it for you. And so he's gone. And suddenly they're faced with this dilemma of this crippled from birth person saying, I need money. What do we do? Verse 5, so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You are aware that in those days, merchants purchased the rights to beggars and put them in key spots in the city. And they would make money off all the things that they would do. They would beg and they were good at it. Some were great. They would get uh, uh, a certain percentage. And, And so this all had to be going through the minds of Peter and John. But here's this man expecting them to say, okay, because it's the righteousness that I'm concerned about, because I love this Jesus that I've heard about, I'm going to give you some money. And here comes Peter, who I like, Mr. Impulsive. Mr. I forget. Do you ever blurt things out? Sometimes you just forget. I told first service. I remember taking a, a class on evangelism on how to share Christ early on in my ministry. And the guy that was teaching it said, one of the things I'm going to tell you is blurt out what's ever on your heart just to get started. Because so many times the enemy will say, you don't have the perfect introduction. You don't have the perfect words to tell people they need to know Jesus. You don't have, he said, just get something out there so you can start talking about it. This is Peter. He goes, we don't have any money. What we have is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And I'm sure at that point, when we get to heaven, we'll all talk to Peter. And he'll, he probably went, what did I say? Get it back. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I've never done this before. I've never performed a miracle. I've, never, I've seen it happen. Christ was awesome about it, but he just puts it right out there. I do like the fact, though, that he, he, he tried to do something. I mean, he, he didn't just go, hey, we don't have any money. We don't have anything. Have a good day. Say warm and eat hearty, as it says in James. See you, and we're out of here. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let me stop for a minute and just tell you a little bit about miracles and, 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 and healing. 
this is an area of my walk with the Lord that challenges me all the time because I, you and I have met people who are in very specific need of healing, physical, sometimes spiritual, mental, even sometimes uh, uh, financially. There's just this need to, to have an amazing miracle take place, and we believe it's going to happen. I'm trying to be real with you today because I believe that, that what the Lord tells us in Acts is you've got the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you guys don't know, and I, I'm speaking to me, don't know how to utilize it. And so I think of times back in my ministry where faced with some very severe circumstances, we prayed and we asked for healing and, and really nothing happened. Do I walk away and say, that's it, I don't want to believe in God anymore, he's not listening to me? No, it, it drives me more to my knees saying, Lord, keep me more aware of uh, what's going on. The very first guy, the very first guy I anointed with oil was in Seattle, Washington, and, and I had no idea what I was doing which I know that surprises you because you think I've got everything all together. I had no idea what I was doing. We got into this very hot room, and I took this oil out of the, the office that was at the church I was at, it was, and I'd never seen it before. I didn't know anything about it. And he was leaning over, and, and some of you remember, when I thought it was time to anoint him, I filled my entire palm full of oil. It was, it was dripping out, okay? I thought, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, we're going for it. The elders gathered around. They're looking at me, this young pastor, thinking, hey, you've got your act together. And when I tipped it over to put it on his head, it was about 90 degrees in that room, and it like multiplied, and the oil just went everywhere. It just poured down his head. It poured, he had a brand new Bible. It went everywhere. And I was so stunned, I didn't even know what to do. I kind of forgot to pray. I was just going, uh-oh. <laughs> so there's, there's oil everywhere, and I thought, hey, the funny thing is, hey, the guy was healed. I'm screwing around with all the oil dripping. I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm trying to touch the Holy Spirit to, to be here, and the guy was healed. And, and it took me a couple weeks, I walked away from it, and I went, hey, the guy was healed, it was bizarre, and, and had nothing to do with me. And, and that's kind of fun. I, I want you to think today that God's got, and, and this, is a, this is an interesting, where we live, in our little conservative view of Christianity, God's got you and me in, a, in areas where maybe we need to say, completely out of our comfort zones, God, put me in a position to be a part of a miracle. Put me in a position where I can see healing come in a way that's very visible, and it'll be a part of it. I mean, of course, if I had time this morning, I'd tell you story after story. One, I'll give you one quick one. We went into a hospital one time, and this guy um, had a kidney transplant. And in the kidney that he was transplanted, he had the HIV virus. They didn't know it was in there. Dear man of our church, uh, loved the Lord, and he was unconscious. And so I took a group of elders. This was in Seattle. We went in. We anointed him. I was much smarter at that time. We anointed him with a little bit of oil. We prayed for him, and he woke up. And he had a intubator in his mouth. He couldn't, he woke up, pulled it out. And there was a guy with me who just started weeping because he had the gift of healing and he'd never used it. I mean, great. It was so amazing for me. For months, I just sat there and thought about how awesome it was that God brought that guy with us. He was very quiet. He didn't say, and as soon as that happened, he just, he shared with us what was going on. That's where God wants us to live. He wants us to live on the edge. And some of us are so calculated and so perfected, and we've got all this perfect schedule of what we do and our gifts that we miss the chance. And Peter and John were faced with it directly where he said, hey, I need money. What are you going to do for me? And the power of the Holy Spirit swept right in and, and did this, Acts 3, 7, and 8. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Here's what I like about Peter. He follows through. See, we can get so 
so convinced in our way of living with Jesus that everything has to be perfectly in order, that sometimes he just wants us to do something out of the ordinary. And I don't know what that means for you, but what what he says to me is this. I don't want to be that guy that's predictable. I want to be a guy that's open to what the Lord says, and I want to be able to, to... to, well, here's, here's Peter and John. The Lord, Jesus is gone. He was taken away into heaven. They've got this responsibility. They're trying to figure out what to do. They reach out, and oh my goodness, as they follow through, this man's ankles and, and feet are healed. And he walks away, jumping and leaping and praising God. Here comes another thought. There are people in your life and mine that God has put there specifically for us to allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to reach out to them. It may not be an amazing physical healing or a miracle, but there's something that's going to go on in your life that's going to meet a need in their life that you've never seen, and it's exciting to be a part of that. But as I said earlier, guys, if I'm, I'm talking to you on Father's Day, sometimes we're so clueless about it, we miss that chance because we've got to figure everything out. I was at a youth camp in Florence, Oregon one time. And the Holy Spirit came upon that evening rally, and those of you who have been in youth ministry or have gone to camps know that it's just really fun how he makes himself present and known. And and this young guy was going through the worst possible things in his life, and all the Lord said to me was, be quiet. So I went and sat by him. We sat for 42 minutes. I timed it because I'm jumpy. I'm fidgety. And he never said a word. And after 42 minutes, he said, my dad doesn't love me. That's all he said. 42 minutes. So we prayed a little bit about it. He, and, and I bet if I saw that guy today, he'd come up and thank me because he said you were there for him. I said about three things. I had a word of prayer with him, and that was it. We get going so fast, and we're so focused on things that we miss the chance for the Holy Spirit to minister in a way that's huge. And I'm, I'm giving you the power today to say he came, on, he came in our lives when we accepted him. And then we said, Holy Spirit, you be a part of my everyday life, and this is Peter and John, and that's where we follow him. Peter reached out his hand, he followed through, and then there was this reaction. The power of the Holy Spirit either works or it doesn't. And in the context of his presence and will, it worked. And so if you're confused today and if you're still trying to decide in your heart and your life, is Christianity the way I want to be or go? And is it what I want to do and do I want to totally commit my life to you? I'm sharing with you today that with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it is. It doesn't make us absolutely perfect. It doesn't mean that all of our problems go away, but it, makes, it gives us the ability to have a resource that works day in and day out, and all of a sudden, he's going to say to you, reach out your hand and grab this person and see a miracle happen. It's there. And if you want to believe that, he'll work in and through you. So the purpose was the realization. Verses 9 Oh, through uh, 11 and then verse 16, I liked it. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. I want to stop there and tell you, this was a great opportunity for, for Peter and John to go, oh yeah, oh yeah, here we are, woo, woo, you know. You know what he said? Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you all see. He was healed by some ordinary men calling on the Lord. 
How many chances or how many times have you sensed the Lord telling you to step up and, and I'll say it this way, and do something big? And you're so worried because you're afraid you're not capable of doing something big. And he defines big. To me, when we reach our potential in God, here's what, here's what God sees us as. Here's our potential in God, and as we, we reach that, he's happy when we get close to realizing our potential. You're not hearing me say, here's these amazing things you have to do and these amazing feats. When we realize the potential he's given us and the giftedness he's given us, and we begin to allow that to be effective around us, that's huge. And that's what he's asking us to do today. I went through the Billy Graham Library. I sat there and with my wife and was fascinated at the seven stations. And you'll hear me tell stories about it while we're on our sabbatical. But what stood out to me the most was, here was an ordinary guy, never even went to seminary. The Lord got a hold of him at a revival meeting when an usher wouldn't let he and his buddy slip out the back. And they sat there and he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, he was afraid all of his friends would look down on him. And he stayed with it. Look what God did through Billy Graham, his wife Ruth, and the, the ministry that continues on. It changed our world. Is there a Billy Graham sitting in here? Because we don't think that way. We think, you know what? Just happy to get one step, baby steps. What about Bob? Baby steps. And he's saying to us, I got great things for you to do. And and I'm not just sitting here excited because I love to talk about Acts and, and what's going on in the Bible. I'm sitting here excited because, oh my goodness, imagine if you and I today said, we'll take that power and we'll see you work in an amazing way. Look, and guess where it starts? It starts in our home. We start there, and we begin to see God's power, and that's so much fun to watch him at work. The Lord gave me a a claim this week for one of my kids that I'm going to take until I go to heaven, and I was excited because that just gives me a renewed vision of what I'm supposed to be doing. Glory to God, verse 16, glory to God. What I want to share with you as we finish this morning are three things, three areas that if you look at them, it's kind of like something you would say to high schoolers, but I'm saying it first of all to fathers, and then I'm going to give it to, to dads, and I'm going to give it to all of you. So wherever you are today, allow the Holy Spirit to, to work with you. The first one is this area called peer pressure. Everybody hears about peer pressure. When you're a teenager, you heard your youth pastors, your youth workers, your teachers say, don't give in to peer pressure, don't let peer pressure. Guys, here's what I think peer pressure means to us sometimes. It means putting us in a routine where we do the same things that everybody else does so we don't rock the boat. And we're content just to get by, and we kind of feel good about ourselves. And, and here's what, what he's telling us. He's saying, we need to be transformed in our thinking. Peter and John were going about their everyday business, which was prayer time at 9 and noon and 3, and suddenly this inconvenient bump in the road says, give me some money. And they realized they didn't have money for whatever reason, and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Oh, my goodness. That's what he's asking us to do today. Then let's not be like everybody else. Let's not just give in to peer pressure. Let's not say you've got to dress this way, you've got to talk this way. Let's say, you know what, God, what is it that you want me to do? Which brings us to the second point, and that's this. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Robert Schuller made those words famous when he built the Crystal Cathedral. Went through a whole neighborhood, and that was kind of his motto, if you remember that. If anyone considers, James 1, 26 and 27 himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Tight rein on our tongues, learn to see the needs and the hurts, follow through, and then I like that last part of verse 27 that says, and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, to me, that goes back to peer pressure. 
And as I see what everybody else is doing for fun, and that's what I, and guys, I'm talking to you for a minute, so whatever excites me and entertains me, that's where I'm going to live. And what we forget is that that's what fills our hearts and our minds. Reading a book by Annie Stanley right now that calls, says, what comes out of the heart is what's inside. He's writing about the heart, and he, he begins to explain, he's a minister in Atlanta, how whatever we let in here comes out at the worst possible moments. So guys, if we're going to sit here and just let the world pollute us, at the very moment he needs us the greatest, whether it's with our families or our neighborhood or where we work and we can share that positive light, we're so polluted by the world we miss it. And life goes on, and there was another chance to see an amazing thing happen with the power of the Holy Spirit. The last one I see this morning is no regrets. I use the verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And to me, that's a great place to finish this morning as we think about that. Because I want to give you again that promise and that blessing of living life with no regrets. It doesn't matter who you are today, whether you're a dad, a guy, a single person, a married person, a mom, an aunt, whoever, a grandma. As we live our lives with no regrets, we begin to see that what he's asking us to do is start right there where we love the Lord with our hearts and our souls and our mind and our strength, we were said. And that might just be a new priority that we need to do. And that might just be saying, Holy Spirit, would you again take some of the things? Because, oh my goodness, guess what happens when you get older? You start to get focused on the things that you've never let go in your life. And as I listen to people complain about, they vent on all these things, you just want to go, man, just let Jesus have it. Just realize that as you, there's no regrets. Love the Lord your God with your, all your soul, your strength, your mind, and your heart. Because you begin to focus on Him and things start to come into perspective, into place. Let me stop with this. What is it today that God's asking you and me to do in the area of miracles and healing and the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't take that lightly. I don't even know really what that means for all of us, but I do know that as I read God's Word, He's telling me that there are situations and people and areas that I need to step out and say, okay, I'm finding a need, I'm meeting it, I'm finding it hurt. I'm healing it. Let's go. And watch out. Because the, the way that he will take us and lead us and direct us will be so incredibly powerful. My years of youth ministry, with this I'll close, and the, the band's going to come and, and sing us a song. My youth ministry years, I would consider myself very conservative. And so we would do these camps, and the camps were such a blessing to me because you watch teenagers respond to the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and it changes you. We had pastors just come for the evening meetings because they just wanted to see people respond to God. And one night, the speaker, out of the clear blue, said, okay, here's our, here's, I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision. And I'm over in the corner. I used to lead worship in those days. And I was kind of sitting there. He goes, if you know that there's sin in your life, I want you to stand up where you are right now. And my first thought was, that's just stupid. Nobody's going to stand up. I'm not going to stand. There's, there's 500 people sitting here. Who's going to stand? And oh my goodness, people popped up everywhere. Okay, that was enough for me until he goes, share with us what it is you want, want God to give you victory over. And one by one, these kids under the power of the Holy Spirit begin to share from their hearts what it is that God wanted to change in them. And oh, wow. Our, our invitation went for probably an hour. And I'm over in the corner going, Lord, don't, don't send a lightning bolt for me sitting over here going, you can't ask that question and you can't make them answer that one because I doubt it. And I think sometimes that's where we live. 
I don't want you to doubt today. I want you to see that, that God's presence in our lives is a powerful thing, and he wants to do great things. And some of us are stuck. We're struggling. We're trying to get over the same things that we, that we struggle with. I can't look at anybody right now because you're thinking I'm talking to you, so I'm going to look at you, Brian. The things that we struggle with, you know, and we can't get over them. And that's not what he's saying. What he's saying today is that we can, and he wants to deliver us and move forward so we can take the power of the Holy Spirit and see him do great things. Let's pray. Lord, it's Father's Day today, and, and we love dads, and we're so thankful for them and how they've impacted all of us. But we're, we're really thankful for your word and the truth of your word and the power of your word. And today, as we realize again the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and how important it is for us, would you again remind us to step forward and say, hey, we're willing. There are people that we carry burdens for. There are things that we carry that we need to give to you today and release them to you again as we see you do miracles. And so we're excited today, God, as we see June 16th, 2019, yet another day where we watch you at work in our lives. Thanks, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You would uh, bow your heads with me. I just want to give you a chance today to respond to what the Lord's telling you. The first group always concerned about is if you came this morning and you know that you've never heard the statement or the question, you know, Jesus is your personal Savior. And you feel like this morning this is the time for you. Would you just raise your hand and say, John, I'd like to ask Jesus into my heart. Please pray for me. We'd love to do that. There's another group this morning, and I want to challenge dads first, and that is if you just know this morning that you need prayer in the area of just saying, you know what, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to shake some things up and give me some new priorities and see the needs around me and just reach out and make a difference. Would you just slip your hand up and say, John, would you pray for me in that area? Yes. Yes. Finally, there's a group of you today that maybe just say, you know what, I walked in this morning with a struggle, with a need. Just by lifting up your hand, you're saying, John, would you pray for me as I just give it to the Lord? Yes. Thank you. Holy Spirit, so grateful for you to be present today and just pointed us to the cross and a chance to just make decisions. And Lord, our goal is to leave different people and this week to follow through and to see you at work. Thanks for your power. Thanks for your strength. Thanks for your understanding. Thanks for your, your solutions, your peace, your correction. And we just lean on you in a great and powerful way. Lord, be with the families today. Give them a great time as they have a chance to honor dads. Thank you, for dads, for what you mean. Thanks, Lord, for what you mean to us. In your name we pray. Amen.